This episode was co-produced with Startup Days, the leading startup conference in Switzerland. Swisspreneur's goal is to advance entrepreneurship in Switzerland, so we've partnered up with Startup Days to produce five episodes with key Swiss ecosystem players. If you'd like to see them up close and personal, get your ticket for Startup Days 2022 taking place on May 19th in Bern. Visit startupdays.ch. Together, we make Switzerland more startup. You have this bias of reading the news where you feel like everybody raised 50 million you know, every year, which is not exactly the case when you, when you know the, the ecosystem by within. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Olivier, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, Sylvan. Thank you for welcoming me. Super nice to be here today. You're the partner for technology investments at VI Partners, the longest established VC team here in Switzerland. And we jump right in. Why do you actually want to become a VC investor in the first place? It's a tricky question. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I don't, I don't think there's uh, many people that get out of school and think, yeah, I want to be a VC. Right. Because uh, especially at the time where I got out of school, uh, venture capital was, you know, nearly did not exist, especially in Europe, especially in France where I grew up. So, you know, it comes from, uh, it comes from, you know, various experiences and bumping into people. And uh, so what happened is uh, I built a startup 10 years ago. Uh, I was not successful, but I learned a lot. And, uh, and then I came to Switzerland to do an MBA. And after it, I was like, yeah, maybe I could go to the other side of the table, you know, uh, maybe, maybe supporting founders and investing in them would be the right, uh, the right fit for me. So it took me uh, some two intermediary jobs, but I, but I got there and uh, super happy with the outcome. Yeah. So it's it just like not a big master plan behind becoming a VC, right? That's basically well, the story. To be honest, I never had a, a career plan. You know, okay. in interviews when people were telling me, uh, what's your five-year plan? Where do you see yourself in five years? I, I had no clue. Uh, I think I, I changed career five times in, in a bit more than 15 years of, uh, of work experience. And every time it was based on, on opportunities, you know, showing up a bit like randomly. Uh, I think, yeah, luck favors the prepared. So I was quite open to talk to people and explore new paths and... Uh, and this pie showed up and I, and I sized it, yeah. Going with the flow, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also joined VI Partners just recently in March 2022, actually. And before that, you were leading the corporate venture capital division at the Swiss Post. What led you to that decision to switch from corporate venture capital to VI Partners? Yeah, so maybe first, you know, when you realize that you might be interested to work in VC, it's it's very hard to to find to find a position, right? It's uh, it's to give you an idea. When I I'm a software engineer and uh, and I have a master degree in, in in finance on top of it, and in my master degree in finance, half of the class at the time was going into trading floor activities, and the other half was going into corporate finance, which means M and A, private equity, VC. Mm-hmm. I think like one guy in ten years went into VC. <laughs> Maybe 50 or 100 went into private equity and thousands went into m and just to give an idea of the math at the time, right? So it's not like, hey, I want to go into VC and you get into VC the next day. It's more than when I, when I, when I saw the opportunity to join Swiss Post Ventures now five years ago, uh, I found it a mind-blowing experience and possibility showing up, so I cited it. And five years later, when... Uh, 
when, when VI partners approached me because they were looking for a new partner to do tech investment, I found, right, I've, you know, I've, I've done five years at Swiss Post. Uh, we've done, I've built a team of three people. Uh, we've done 14 investments. Uh, we've done two successful exits with Brink and testing time. Uh, it's a nice track record. And can I, can I bring Swiss Post Ventures to the next level? Or, and how does it, does it compare with the opportunity at VI Partners? And after a few weeks of reflection and talking to the whole VI Partners team, it became absolutely obvious that the right choice would, would be to go with, with VI Partners. And at the same time, I made sure that the activity at Swiss Post would continue to be, to be strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, they now recruited a third team member, Ivo, Ivo Runner. Um, under Boyman, who joined a year and a half ago, is now, uh, you know, has stepped in my shoes. Raphael Fessler, who joined three years ago, uh, is, you know, has been promoted. Uh, I think the team is, at Swiss Post Ventures is, is very strong today. And I think they will continue to do a very good job. Amazing. So, yeah, the timing probably couldn't be better to, to make that transition, to make that switch. Can you also talk a bit about your investment focus at VI Partners? What are you investing in? Yeah, we do. So we do mostly B two B SaaS, right? We we like we like software. Uh, the team, you know, Joe, Alain, and and Cyril, Cyril being a venture partner, is uh, is is quite uh, quite uh, heavily interested in in software. We also have a look a bit at hardware, but it's a bit you know more difficult cases to to, to finance. And as I said, B two B software, software as a service, tools that help. Um, industrial companies to transform and to get more efficient and to get massive productivity efficiencies. That's the kind of stuff we like to, to finance. To give examples, you know, a, a year and a half ago, Joe has conducted an investment in Acodis, Vinted2-based company, doing document management, extraction of data from, from normal documents. It's a bit of democratization of machine learning and artificial intelligence for people like you and me that want to easily get access to the power of machine learning without knowing, without having to code. Absolutely. Yeah. We also had the founder on a podcast. That was a really great story that we Perfect. tackled there. <laughs> and, you know, some people, they know, OK, there are VCs out there, but they want to know a bit more and have a look behind the scenes. So how does a typical day in your life look like if there's even such a thing i have no clue it's very tricky to talk about typical day but uh, i would say you know the classic day is you have a few phone calls you know plans with um discovery companies right you want to get in touch with founders you receive the pitch deck is they've been introduced by someone mm-hmm. and you're uh, excited to have a look and so i would say two to three calls a day with new companies maybe two to three calls a day with potential uh, co-investors um Maybe people who could join one of your portfolio company as uh, as an employee, uh, some VCs, mm-hmm. um, and on top of it, you have a lot of completely random calls, usually from portfolio companies. You know, companies you have invested in, and they call you because they have an issue they'd like to solve. They'd like you to to know how to do it. You know, should we raise money now? Should I hire this person? It's not part of the budget. Uh, how to get it from the, accepted by the board? You know, should I fire this person? Which is usually the most tricky question. Right, and. Uh, and uh, and then you do a few emails. You, you you know you try to read a bit of documentation. You try to to know what's going on in the market because you know feeling the pace of uh, the ecosystem is important. So there there's really not a typical day. It's also a lot of uh, reactive things that are thrown at you uh, to solve problems and to you know fight the fires basically. You, you try to be organized and you try to have a day sure. that is planned. And usually at the last minute, it gets a bit. I like those you know moments like this week where mm-hmm. a lot of people are in holidays. Perfect, and so yeah. the days are much more predictable. 
but normal time I pretty like you, you need to adapt constantly yeah? you need to be quite reactive you need to be available so often you know evenings and, and weekends because that's the moment where entrepreneurs think <laughs> and they have time they're not in operations they're in thinking mode that's the time where you get usually whatsapp uh, signal messages and, and phone calls yeah. absolutely and we're also here to talk about challenges so the biggest challenge that you mentioned to me when you did the preparation for this conversation is how to get more money into Swiss VCs. Yeah. I feel like we have a good momentum. There are bigger rounds that are being closed, you know, also big investors joining the Swiss startup ecosystem, but there's still a lack for especially the later part, the growth financing. So please elaborate a bit more why this is an important challenge and how we could potentially solve it. Yeah, maybe first, you know, one key concept in venture capital is a power law. You know, the distribution of returns is absolutely not following a normal Gaussian curve. And it applies also to fundraising. So you see in the news, you know, the big fundraising, uh, the, the, you know, the Yokoi success, that right. kind of stuff. What you don't see is all the very good but not exceptional startups mm -hmm. that still, you know, struggle to raise money from qualified investors. And so the, 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 you have this bias of reading the news where you feel like everybody raised 50 million you know, every year, right. which is not exactly the case when you, when you know the, the ecosystem by within. And the second aspect is, yeah, when, when you ask me about uh, when we did the preparation, I was, you know, I was reading the book that is in the back there, which is Deep Tech Nation, written by Dominique Maigret, which is a very good book, by the way. And I think it's a, it's a must read for people evolving in the ecosystem. And I think Dominique Maigret uh, of Swiss Conventures, you know, makes the point that uh, there's not enough growth capital in, in the country. Mm -hmm. And I believe that one reason for this is that the pension funds, the Swiss pension funds, are not yet investing in, in VC, or very few of them. To give an order of magnitude, uh, the Swiss pension fund system, it's one trillion it's okay, of money. It's insane. And you know, it's, today, it's estimated that 1% of it goes into private equity, which is 10 billion. But usually, it goes into very international private equity. And within the private equity pocket, it goes mostly into the buyouts, you know, the more traditional private equity, much less into VC. Mm -hmm. So there's no clear estimation of how much money from pension funds is, is going into VC, but clearly not enough. So one key element to get more money into growth stage companies is typically to get the Swiss pension funds to be more aware of that tool, especially if you think about it, your savings are going into this system, right? And you probably want to get a better future. So you would welcome, as a client of the, of, the, of the Swiss pension fund system, you certainly would welcome that they invest more in the future. Not only guys that are you know, optimizing and milking the cows, like private equity guys, right. but more in guys that are helping to shape the future. And especially if this future is with Swiss companies and Swiss tech companies, I think there's a very good marketing story. And I think as an ecosystem, especially VCs, uh, we, we, we have to, you know, we have to cultivate the aspect. We have to communicate to the Swiss pension fund uh, employees and their advisors that there is this opportunity out there. And it's a, it's, it's a very good opportunity in terms of long-term returns. And it's also a very interesting marketing opportunity for them to go to the ones that they insure and tell them where well, we're investing in your future. Absolutely. We invest in Swiss startups that build the future and help you living a better life in the future. Amazing. Exactly. But how could you actually get there? What, what is needed? What players do you need to collaborate more or better to actually make that happen from your perspective? Is there also a need on a political level to, to make that possible? 
So I, I had I had recently a discussion with with one of my former professors in the MBA, and I said, "Well, have you uh, have you already thought about doing a training for people working in in those pension funds?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, not really in Switzerland, you know, they're very conservative." But he said in in Holland, he did a full session about you know telling them what is a fund, what is a VC fund, what is a fund of fund, mm-hmm. and. What is there that they invest in? Like, what is a startup? How does it work? And this is a specialty, you know, his professor of entrepreneurship. And, and the idea of uh, Benoit Leleu was, you know, at the time in the training is done in Holland, was to say, if you, if you get an idea as an investor, what is a fund of fund, which means a fund investing in other funds, then what is a fund? And then what is a startup? And have a look at different cases of startups, tech or non-tech. You get a, a more, much better understanding of how the full ecosystem works. And I think this, uh, those trainings need, needs to be done in a sense. So we need, we need training entities to, to, to organize such uh, possibilities. Uh, we need employees of the pension funds to be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And I would say as, as VCs, uh, we have every time we, we bump into someone in this space to participate, to telling them, did you have a look at the opportunity? What, what prevents you from investing in, in Swiss startups? Yeah. What answers do you get today when you ask them these questions? Uh, it, it's a lot of pushback. Yeah, okay. let's be clear. <laughs> I, I can imagine because it's fully, you know, it's we have a different risk appetite here in Switzerland sometimes, right? That they don't want to, you know, do a risky investment in startups are certainly considered as very risky investment from their perspective. Yeah, and, and you know, in the, in, and then again, you, you need a poor low approach. You know, they need yeah. to understand that within a portfolio of 20 startups, yeah. you need one to be exceptionally successful right. uh, to make the whole return. Um, which means that there will be many other crashes or companies not doing that well, and it's part of the game and it's and it's normal. Yeah, but that's probably hard because that hurts for them. It's a different mode of operation than what they are used to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. It's you also mentioned the importance of training. Who should do these trainings? Would VC firms or VC partners be a, a good way to train uh, pension fund employees, or who should do those those trainings? You know, you, you have specialized entities like INSEAD in, in Paris, IMD in Switzerland, you know, uh, uh, Heisgen, uh, you know, in, in St. Gallen, you know, all, all those ones have professors that are specialized into entrepreneurship or venture capital or, you know, corporate finance. Yeah. And those, those players could participate to build such programs. And mm-hmm. I think there is there's a business opportunity also for them. Fair point. Yeah. And I also wonder, you know, just to give a bit more sense of urgency about that problem, what happens if we don't fix that problem, if we don't get pension money into Swiss startups? What happens if we don't do that? Well, the Americans are coming. So that's the American pension funds invested into the large American VCs that are going to invest later stage in the Swiss startups. And so in a sense, it's uh, the, the whole point about Dominique Maigret in his book is also that uh, you want to have tech sovereignty. You know, you, you can't imagine building a new operating system that compete with, uh, with the American ones or even the future Chinese ones to come. But you can imagine that some part of the tech ecosystem you want still to, to have some kind of control over through the capital that is injected in them. And then if eventually the startup is doing well, gets sold or does an IPO, then the returns actually come back to Switzerland if we can solve it. Otherwise, they go to the US and exactly. that would be a shame. Yeah, exactly. So Good point. <laughs> people wake up, it's time to act now. Yes. <laughs> On that regard, what can any individual or also other organizations do to make Switzerland more startup? I know this is a bit of a more open question, mm-hmm. but now opening up again, 
what can we all do, organizations and individuals, to make Switzerland more startup from your perspective? Yeah, I think networking and uh, and proximity is very important. I think uh, finding role models is key. You know, I, I always been fascinated. I listened probably six, seven years ago to a to a podcast uh, to to a talk that Drew Houston, the founder of uh, Dropbox, was giving to Stanford. And he, he had this very naive expression where he said, well, you know, one day this guy I graduated uh, from my bachelor with, you know, he calls me a good, very good friend of mine. He said, oh, I just raised one million for my startup. And, and Drew Houston realized that he could do the same. So he started to pitch a business angels <laughs> and he got a million dollars on the bank. And he tells this fantastic story that he called, uh, he called the bank and he said, what's the maximum amount of money that I can put on the bank accounts? And the woman was like, what do you mean? Well, we're going to get one million tomorrow. Is there any, any cap on how much you can put in the bank account? You know, and so the guys were very naive in terms of business, but they were very good in terms of product and in terms of tech. And they were in the right ecosystem where they thought that a friend could raise money so they could do it, right? And then they saw that some friends could do some exit on some IPOs and they said, well, why, why not us? So what is very important in the, in the ecosystem is to have those role models um, that succeeded, that showed to others how to do it. So uh, when you have guys like Manuel Granacher at Unique, we just invested in Unique. Uh, Joe, Joe Neal, uh, my colleague, uh, did, did the investment. And Manuel is also a business angel investor. And when those guys that have done already two exits that are you know, building the third company on a very fast track yeah. uh, also are advising other founders, it's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. And that needs to be much more systematic. You know, you have the mafia of, you know, the Swiss startup mafia map, which is quite cool, you know, showing that uh, a lot of the, I've been investor in, in Beekeeper as part of Swiss Post Ventures and a lot of the, the Beekeeper uh, former employees became, became founders. And this kind of stuff has to be quite systematic. Yeah. And when there start to be big exits, yeah. then you could imagine you, you could imagine founders to be repeat founders, but especially you could imagine the early employees uh, in the company through the stock options, but also through the experience, being able to go back to this time to full entrepreneurship and be the entrepreneurs themselves. Um, yeah, I think that's key for the ecosystem. And that's also probably a good measure of the health of the ecosystem, because if you have more companies coming out of these mafia companies, that's a very good sign for, you know, the growth and the emergence of the of the actual Swiss startup ecosystem. Yeah, because, you know, to, to be successful as a founder, you need a lot of support. You know, there's, there's no self-made man or self-made woman. You need a lot of advisors. You need the right business angel to step in. You need the right people to guide you to someone else. Uh, you need, you know, you need, you know, people helping you like part-time CFOs to help you business plan faster because you want to focus on your business. And this ecosystem and this ability of the group to recommend people that should talk to the, uh, mm -hmm. each other is, is quite important. Yeah. You know, this, this uh, great book that I just finished uh, called The Power Law from uh, Sebastian Malabi. And we'll describe, uh, you know, one of the co-founders of Sequoia saying, we're in the business of making introductions and answering to introductions. And I think that's a very good saying that as a VC, you have different type of VCs. You know, you have the operators, you have, you know, the guys that have been founders. You also have guys that are very good at network. Mm -hmm. And what those guys do, and, and I belong to this category, is to try every time they meet someone to say, who should this person talk to? What right. in my list of contacts, uh, who should be the person to, yeah. to get introduced? Do you use any tools for that? I, because I can imagine if you meet that many people and interesting companies, how do you keep track of all the companies and the people you can introduce to each other? It's a, it's a, it's a very good point. So concretely, 
I'm working on something, <laughs> but it's it's still quite quite early. But I'm thinking about you know how could we make it a productization? How could we productize this approach? Um, but more concretely, LinkedIn is a fantastic tool, uh, and you know I try to give, be quite well organized with my LinkedIn, not to accept you know introduction from people I never met, so that I, I know that when I look in my LinkedIn ba- uh, you know database, I have I have a good reference point. Right, and. Um, yeah, typical CRM is is yeah no, also a good tool, but probably we could do something different and better. Yeah, I hope there will be a product soon about these aspects. I hope to. Yeah, I'd be happy to finance it. By the way, perfect. <laughs> now let's also look into the future. You know, as we mentioned before, the Swiss startup ecosystem has a certain momentum. Where do you see? Where we are, are we going from from here? What's happening in the future in the Swiss startup ecosystem from your perspective? So there's one aspect we we've not talked about yet, uh, which is. Merger and acquisition. You know, at some point, as an investor, you need to exit. Absolutely. There are two ways to exit. There's IPO and trade right. sale. And contrary to the general perception, IPOs are a very, very yeah. tiny part of the exit. And it's getting lower and lower, except with the SPACs phenomenon that we've seen the past two years. But mm-hmm. uh, So we need corporates, especially large corporates, to start to think about especially European ones, to buy more companies and more startups. The Americans are extremely active. You know, there's a poster child in that space is probably Cisco. Cisco is a company that has been built on acquiring a lot of companies. So the Cisco venture capital team is merged within the M&A team and they work in tandem with the thinking that, so first they used to be, I don't know if it's the case, but they used to be limited partners, which means investors in more than 100 funds. So they see the market in, you know, they have a knowledge of the market that is just fantastic. On top of it, later stage from Series B or C, they start to co-invest with VCs. So they get positions. And usually it's, you know, they co-invest because they want to be ready in case the company could be acquired. And they're thinking that a Cisco with 15,000 patents, a very innovative company, still believes that the best innovations are out there is I think a very good example for European players that it's very tricky to do innovation within large corporate. Politics is complicated. If you do disruptive innovation, everybody is afraid of it. I had a personal experience when I was at Kudelski at building um, a a product and a team within the organization, a a kind of intrapreneurship experience. Mm -hmm. And the the politics and the slowness of decision-making really made it a complicated journey, right? And you could imagine that the same concept finance outside of the organization would have been much faster and probably the best approach in this case is to say you'll pay a more expensive price but you will buy a company that have been built by someone else or someone you know in a few years cisco even has this culture of um they have a i think a tandem or a triplet of founders who regularly get out of the company build a startup and get acquired a few years back i think they did it two or three times and it's it's a very typical experience so we need to work on this also as an ecosystem Mm -hmm. that corporates get more acquisitive um, and that they need to realize that building innovation in-house might not be the best way to do it that was the case you know 78 years ago you get the bell labs and you get xerox parks and this kind of uh, very, very iconic companies that have built like Bell Labs. I think it's uh, six or seven Nobel Prizes, right? Wow. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but nobody does it today, right? Yeah. And today, your innovation, you probably have to acquire it. Yeah. Even, even Google, that it's seen as a very, as a very innovative company, yeah. is in fact doing a lot of M&A and acquiring a lot of innovations. Yeah. Wow. 
that just blows my mind because I think that's such an important aspect. And if we can also solve that on top of the pension fund investment, the ecosystem will be going through the roof. I think we'll get there. Yeah, slowly we'll get there. Uh, we'll get the, you know, the example. Yeah. And what is next for you at VI Partners? What have you planned for the next 12 months, so to say? Yeah, so so first we have uh, so we have in, we have announced that the investment in in Unique. Uh, we are going to announce two other investments in the next weeks, one in Switzerland and one in in Germany. Um, so we are continuing to invest with the same thesis of uh, of B two B software helping digital transformation of like large corporates and especially industrial players. Um, and we're going first to continue doing investment, but we also, in a year or, or two, we're going to raise a new fund. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting experience because then we, we are going to confront the same people I was talking about. We'll go to family offices, we'll go to corporates, but we'll also go to pension funds. And, and then it's going to be interesting to see how we can you know, help them better understand what we're doing. Hopefully they listen to the podcast and, so. <laughs> and then decide, yeah, I need to put my money there. So before we wrap up today's episode, Olivier, we also have some rapid fire questions for you. So I either give you an option to choose from or a quick question you have to answer in one sentence. You ready? Okay. What was your summer job as a teenager? Yeah, that's a good one. So I was, I, that was a very, very tough physical job. So I was working in these companies. I was building blocks to create ovens. To, to do glasses. So imagine the building blocks uh, was electrofused ceramic, mm -hmm. which means that we had to, 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 to put them at 1,300 degrees. So you were working in this massive hall where you had this extremely hot temperature and you had to move those stuff around, yeah. liquid, you know, and it, it was quite dangerous and it was also fascinating. Um, it was a great experience. Yeah, it was a great experience. Amazing. What are you most proud of in your life? My daughters. Beautiful. <laughs> I have two daughters, six and nine, and just yeah. watching them grow and develop, you know, and ask questions and plays is my goal. Yeah. Lausanne or Zurich? Well, I live next to Lausanne. I live in Marsh, you know, very close to EPFL. Uh, it's a fantastic place to live. And uh, I really appreciate to come to Zurich. And with VI Partners, I'm now more and more around. So, yeah, I benefit from the two cities. Yeah, yeah you take the best of both worlds. Exactly. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Don't be afraid. Talk to people. Yeah, nice. talk to people. I think uh, you, can, you can learn so much by approaching people, you know, randomly and hear what they have to say. And then you build a filter about what you should take in and you confront ideas and they recommend you, you know, people listen and usually they, 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 they want to help you. So they tell you, oh, Sylvan, you should talk to this person about your ID. Right. That's the best way. The last one for you today, investor or founder? Well, now uh, as a VC, I'm a bit of both in a sense that uh, sure I'm an investor, but we have a business to run, right? We have to raise new funds. We have to, you know, hire employees. Right. So we're a bit of both. But clearly, I, I love that job of supporting founders and to be close to them and helping give them best. Yeah. Amazing. Olivier, thank you so much for coming on the show. Many successful, more investments in the future and all the best. Thank you, Sylvain. And thank you for Swisspreneur. I think you're doing a great job. It's very nice. Thank you very thank you. much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.